Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. All right, guys, welcome to the Corner 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Mackey. I'm joined by our very own NBA Hoops hype man and former Nuggets bandwagoner, Alex Derrickson. How you doing, Alex? Doing fine, Sean. How are you? Doing great, buddy. This is two nights in a row. This is crazy. I know. It's like it's a job. I had no idea six weeks ago when I agreed to do this that we would be doing this this much. <laughs> so, <laughs> Who would have thought? I know, I know. Okay, uh, a few things before we start. Uh, we are now on Stitcher. I was not quite sure what Stitcher was until today, so I'm very excited <laughs> that we're on there. It is a huge site with tons of podcasts. Anything you could think about listening to is on there. It's fantastic, so check us out there. Uh we're also on iTunes, and we're coming very soon to Google Play. Is that correct, Alex? I believe so. I didn't check at work today, so I don't know for sure. Okay, so uh, check us out if you're, you know, pro Google. Uh, today we're continuing our new podcast series called The Corner 3 Fast Break with another season preview. Tonight we're focusing on the Denver Nuggets, and we're joined by a contributor of DenverStiffs.com, Ryan Blackburn. How's it going, Ryan? Doing great. How are you? I'm all right, man. I am, like, super excited to see you here, and... Like, if I was Tom Cruise, I would be jumping up on a couch right now because we're going to talk Denver Nuggets hoops, which oh, is just something that doesn't happen in Cincinnati and probably wherever you're at in South Carolina. Believe me, it's it's the first time in a long time, so I'm, I'm glad to do it. Okay, cool, <laughs> cool, cool. Um, I'm really big into NBA history and stuff, so uh, we're going to kind of just go over a few eras in Denver Nuggets history right. um, to kind of bring us current because uh, they've had kind of a rough patch the last few years, but... Um, this is a team that has never made it to the NBA Finals. They made it to the ABA Finals once. Yep. They were led by 2004 men's Olympic coach Larry Brown. He got them to the Finals. But ABA stuff, does, it's not canon to me, so we're not even going to count it. <laughs> it's the prequel trilogy of the right. NBA. It is the prequel t- trilogy of the NBA, correct. Like back, back then, like when the ABA was going on, the Chicago Bulls, we're in the NBA, but they were a Western Conference team, which is just totally bizarre to me. Very so, and the Western Conference in the uh, NHL for the Blackhawks. So. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's wild. So um, let's let's just go, we're going to talk a few eras. Uh, '80s era is just kind of just you know it's just kind of a wash. You had Alex English, um, a few good years there, a few playoff appearances, I think, but nothing major. In uh, right. 2003, the Denver Nuggets draft Carmelo Anthony, one of your favorite players, right, Bray? Right. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Carmelo's a Carmelo's a really interesting character, and he's a he only played for Denver for seven years, but uh, in those seven years, we went to the playoffs a lot. And before that, it was definitely a struggle, but yeah. he brought some great basketball to Denver. And one of the most interesting interesting players to watch coming from Syracuse, he led that team, uh, the Nuggets to a lot of success and something that we hadn't had before. And while he gets criticized a lot for shooting the ball too much and being a little bit of a selfish player, he certainly turned that around. And when he's in the Olympics, as we've been able to watch recently, he becomes a different player when he's surrounded by some other great players. So it's really cool to see him succeed. And although I am pretty happy with the return (laughs) that we got for him in the 2010 trade. Okay. 
Uh, that's that, that's good. So so anyway, so Carmelo Anthony, he comes to the Nuggets. Uh, he out of all that that 2003 draft class, I believe he was the first one to get his team to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, which was impressive. Uh, the Carmelo era peaks in the 2008-2009 season. They reached the Western Conference Finals, end up losing to six to the eventual champion Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, fast forward a few years in 2011, Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups traded to the New York Knicks for Wilson Chandler, Felton. Gallinari, Timothy Mozgov, and I believe they also got Costa Kufus in a separate deal that day as well. Um, yeah. Only two of those guys remain, Wilson Chandler and uh, Gallinari. And Gallinari's had a, had a decent NBA career, but he's hurt a lot. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting following Gallo. He's probably turned into my favorite guy, uh, Sans uh, Carmelo Anthony. Okay. Uh, what he's really been able to add to his game is uh, he was a sharpshooter from the outside coming in. But what he's really been able to add is some isolation skills, although he's not he's not great at it, but he's good enough for the most part. And yep. he's been a, an okay first option. He hasn't been great, but again, on a team that has no stars, he's been one of the guys, especially in some stints this past year, before he went down with injury, he was really, really good. He averaged, yeah. I think, 22 points per game in uh, yeah. in the month of January. So yeah, still has some game. He's got a lot of game, and he's going to get a max contract next, like the next off season. So oh, yeah. we just have to figure out who's going to be paying him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, so so kind of after the after Car after the Carmelo trade happens, uh, Nene he's traded to the Wizards. Um, Jr. Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jr. Smith ends up signing with the Knicks after the lockout, which kind of ends kind of caps off that era. Yeah. Um, and then randomly, in 2003, George Carl leads the scrappy leftovers from the Carmella era to an overachieving 57-25 record, which is the well, best record since them joining the NBA, which is just completely crazy. Yeah. George Carl wins Coach of the Year and was unceremoniously fired that same season. That award so, is so cursed. Oh, no. that, I mean, it was immediate this yeah. time, though. Immediate. Yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, it was crazy, and there's there's a lot of interesting factors that went into that decision. Gallinari, well, he he tore his ACL right before the playoffs that year, and yeah. so while Carl was probably unfairly fired at that point, Denver Nuggets fans were getting tired of just being a first round exit every single year. They wanted more. They wanted to taste a little bit more success, and it really sucks getting beat by the Lakers, the Spurs. And then the Warriors, who uh, we didn't know it then, but they would turn into a juggernaut. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, it, it, it was very bad for the city, continuing to just kind of get a little bit of taste of success, but nothing actual, like actually resonating with the rest of the league. So they wanted to go in a different direction. What they didn't want to happen was for Andre Iguodala to go sign with the Golden State Warriors and for Masai Ujiri to pick up and leave for Toronto. Yeah. Yep. And, I, and, you know, it's funny because I heard, like, a lot of rumblings that, like, Iguodala had that whole setup to leave to Golden State before he had even left Denver. Like, he had pretty much a handshake deal to leave. It, it was it was really interesting. I've, I've heard some things. I can't confirm anything. Some, some of the things that I've heard are him going to church with some of the Golden State Warriors players and, and Mark Jackson at the time. So <laughs> that's that's a little bit... Well, the Warriors are dirty like that. That's how they got Durant. <laughs> so, I can tell you. I can tell you they 
they are constant recruiters, and they, they got Iguodala. They managed to get Kevin Durant now, and, and we'll see how they do. But for the Nuggets, that was that was a big blow. Iguodala is the main, in my opinion, probably the main piece of glue that put together that 57-win season over George Carl. Oh, oh yeah. Because he was a... Uh, he was right in between Ty Lawson and Danilo Gallinari, and while those two are great offensive players, they they can sometimes struggle on the defensive end. And Iguodala was the stopper that year. He was wonderful. Sure. Yeah. Alex. Oh no, uh, I completely agree. I remember the uh, the 2012-2013 season quite fondly because they were they were my Western Conference favorites. I loved oh. watching that team play. Like especially like that was Fareed's breakout year, really, where he started right. to kind of. Like, I mean, it was was that his contract year or no? He was a that was his second year in the league. The, okay. The year before, we actually traded Nene uh, for Javale McGee in order to open up the for Fareed. Yeah. So, but that was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, I. I mean, that I just year, think that year is a lost year because yeah. he went out with the ACL injury. Everybody in Denver is pretty confident that we would have beat the Warriors that year had mm-hmm. been healthy. So, because I mean, like end to end, you couldn't beat that team from one end of the court to the other. Like, and yeah. that was was so fun to watch. Is I remember I watched the uh, Christmas Day game, or yeah, the Christmas Day night game against the Clippers. <laughs> and I remember Chris Paul had a fast break. And I was just looking at the TV and I went, "He's going to get blocked." And out of nowhere, you just see this like barrage of dreadlocks coming in, like a hand. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yep, there you go. This team's great." You know, and then. Gallo goes down, and then, yeah, it just kind of, I've, that was really, like, the domino that kind of set everything else in motion to what the team is now, I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we don't remember that fondly. No, no, you can't. Um, so, okay, so that kind of brings us current. Um, George Carl gets fired after the awesome season, and uh, you got, uh, was it two and a half seasons of Brian Shaw, or was it three? It was Two. one and a half, actually. One, one and a half. One and a half. Yeah. Okay. He was that bad. Yeah, he was. He, yeah, and you know, I, I like Brian Shaw. I liked him as a Orlando Magic player, but you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's whatever. So uh, you get Mike Malone, who I, I I don't hate. You know, he's had some success being an assistant in the league over the years, and um, you know, he's still the coach of Denver this year, so that's great. Um, they finished 33 and 49 last year, 11th in the Western Conference. They were neck and neck with the Sacramento Kings, seven games out of the playoffs. Uh, however, they finished dead last in attendance last year, and I think this is one of the reasons why we, we just never hear anything about the Nuggets. They're just right. they were just kind of totally under the radar last season. Uh, Gallinari, he's the leading scorer. He plays in just 53 games. They drafted uh, Emmanuel Mudiay, who uh, we kind of briefly chatted about earlier, and. Uh, I mean, he had an okay rookie season. I, I don't, you know, like you said, they threw the keys at him, just kind of let him go with it and everything, and he played in China for a little while, and it's an adjustment, so I, I expect him to kind of pick it up this season. What do you think? Well, I ranked the point guards, the starting point guards in the NBA, and I ranked Emmanuel dead last because that's what his advanced statistics, that's what they deserved. And that there was no way around it that he was just, he was not that, he was not a quality performer for the entirety of the year. He did get better. And that's the most important thing is we saw a lot of improvement from October to April. And the player that we got in October is definitely not what we will be seeing next year. 
or this this coming season, he's going to be a better player simply because he got the minutes. And you see lots of these guys in college, they just need reps coming out. And Emmanuel Moody didn't have that college season. So we, we kind of consider this past year his college year, especially because he's so young. But keep in mind, I think he's the only player under 21 this year to average 12 points in five assists. Yeah, that's that's something to be so you know, look up with. Some, he's somebody who we're going to continue to build around. We need his his finishing game to be much stronger. We need him to continue making good decisions with the basketball and keeping a tight handle, and for eventually the shot to come. That's probably my least concern right now. He yeah. shot 36% from three in the second half of the year. So it's not like he can't do it. He just needs a little bit of time, and we're willing to give that to him. Yeah, you have to. You have to. So he's a young guy. Uh, Kenneth Fareed, he had a slight statistical drop-off for the second season in a row. Um, how likely do you think it is that he's moved this year? Uh, well, talking to some of my colleagues and just kind of reading between the lines with what the Denver Nuggets are doing, I'm, I'm seeing that Fareed is probably going to play his last season in Denver this year Yeah, because he is – one of the last bridges to the George Carl era. Uh, and he's been very difficult at times. And at times he's been great. But with with Emmanuel Moutier, we need somebody, or the Nuggets need a player at power forward who is able to space the floor, in my opinion. And for all the great things that Kenneth Fareed does, that is just not something that he can do well. He provides some sort of gravity with his with his pick and roll. And like by rolling hard to the rim and just being in the right place at the right time, but I don't think that's enough, especially with a 20-year-old point guard right now and a 21-year-old center and a 21-year-old shooting guard, which people <laughs> didn't talk that much about. But uh, it's a young team. It's it's a it's a young team and young core. Young core anyway. They had to learn, and by taking this past season to learn. Lots of people aren't interested in the learning process. They're really interested in the eventual product. Kenneth Farid is a finished product right now, but I don't see him being in line with the timeline that the Nuggets are currently trying to go on. Yeah. Okay. Um, Another thing I kind of wanted to talk about was um, the big kind of guard glut you got going on, or wing (laughs) gluts. You got Will Martin, Gary Harris... Uh, Wilson Chandler and the ghost of Mike Miller. Um, Don't worry about Mike Miller. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not I'm Does not. anybody? He, he's he's a ghost. So yeah, exactly. So that and um, uh, I imagine probably and you, I like Gary Harris. I think he's he's solid, but um, I think this is going to be the year that he needs to really step it up, mm-hmm. and I expect him to. And same thing with Will. Will Barton had a great year last year, and I, well, I, I really like him. I think he's a lot of fun. Uh, he turned out to be really decent. But, um, you know, you got these older guys like, you know, Chandler and Mike Miller and stuff, and I I just have this, like, feeling that they're kind of going to take away from some of these younger guys when you have all these guards that are coming in. Um, so this offseason, you get uh, Nuggets luck out. They get... Uh, Kentucky guard Jamal Murray to drop to number seven, which is awesome for you guys because he's—I think he's going to be great. Yeah. So, uh, 
He's probably the best shooter that came out of the draft this year. He shot over 400 from the three last year. Um, they also directed uh, Malik Beasley out of Florida State, uh, another guard. Again, um, I don't know how he's going to get, you know, a lot of minutes with these other guys. But um, really intriguing. Uh, yeah, yeah. The thing about Malik Beasley, I'll I'll touch on this briefly. Lots of people in the Denver Nuggets group. They are they are pretty much presenting the fact that Malik Beasley is a prospect. He's, he's a guy that we're not looking to play right now. And he, considering last year was his freshman year at Florida State, he did really well. He, was, yeah. he earned a lot of great minutes, and uh, he spread the floor. He was very athletic. He projects to be a pretty solid defender. But all of that is going to take time. And at some point, you kind of have to say, okay, now we're going to look to win games. And we're not going to wait for Malik Beasley to develop while giving him minutes. So what they're going to do is, in all likelihood, they will start Gary Harris. It is his job to lose at the two-guard role. And I personally think that they'll start Jameer, or they'll, they'll, start, uh, they'll start Moutier, but his main backup at the start of the season will be Jameer Nelson. Yeah. Uh, and not Jamal Murray. <laughs> I think that Jamal Murray will actually have to earn some interesting time. Uh, he'll he'll have to earn time at the one and the two, and depending on where he fits into that, then he'll he'll get more minutes. But uh, we'll just have to see how it works out. Lots of people think that the front court is is congested with uh with all the small forwards that we can uh, play a power forward and Jokic and Nurkic and Joffrey Laverne <laughs> who's playing for France right now. I'll tell you, the Nuggets they just love foreign players, man. They love international we, players. We love our guys. They can I take that to roster to Helms Deep and destroy the ring. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you also draft uh, Juan Hernan Gomez. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Now we um, actually he's actually called Wancho. Wancho is his actual name. Wancho. Wancho. Okay. Well, okay. The best uh, name in the league. He's an international prospect out of Madrid, Spain. His brother Willie, who that's his nickname, I think. Uh, he's playing Wancho again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> his brother Willie just got drafted by the Knicks, and he's actually playing on the Spanish team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the only other thing that kind of really happened during the offseason this year, you had um, Pharrell Arthur. He re-signed a three-year right. deal, uh, which you guys seem to like him. So um, he's kind of a decent stretch for. Yeah, he's a hard worker, and uh, most importantly, we kind of touched on this earlier off air. Uh, you got a you got a meeting with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, that was really that was really fun. That was a really interesting time for Denver Nuggets fans and for the national media. They actually kind of rediscovered their passion for the Denver Nuggets on air, which is really interesting. <laughs> but, uh, hey, we got one of these. Hey, look at that. <laughs> but uh, no, Dwayne Wade. We never really thought that he would be a Denver Nugget, and that's okay. But the main thing is that he he looked at our roster, he looked at our situation and said, I think that this could be a fit. Now, whether that fit was because we could offer him a boatload of cash or if it was because we have a lot of great potential, that kind of that's only in Dwayne Wade's eyes that we really that we can really figure that out. But uh it was nice to be kind of the center of attention around the NBA again. And I think it really 
kind of put us back in the light of people thinking, hey, the Denver Nuggets are going to be good in a couple of years. You just have to give them time. Yeah, yeah. And, and to kind of circle around that, uh, I don't know if you – I'm a big subscriber to the NBA subreddit on, on Reddit, and they've been doing uh, – daily or every other day or so uh, roasts of different NBA teams. And when the Nuggets came up, uh, somebody actually asked the question with Dwayne Wade passing on the Nuggets, is Denver the most irrelevant basketball team in the NBA? And it was kind of an interesting question to bring up because they cited the attendance and they cited the Dwayne Wade stuff. But what I wanted to kind of touch base with that is what would you say the identity of the current Denver roster is outside, uh, outside of youth I mean, where do you see this team kind of like trying to forge itself in its in this in the stature of the NBA this season? Well, identity is a real it's a real crisis for the Nuggets. They're they're looking to build around these young guys, and as you said, youth is one thing. I think if there was one team that they're really trying to emulate, it's very similar to how the Memphis Grizzlies are now being run. Sure. Uh, you ha- you're going to have a, a ball-handling guard in Emmanuel Moutier, and we want him to become a defensive presence. That's uh, the main reason why we drafted him was because we thought he would have great two-way skills. But now that Jokic, Nikola Jokic, has popped up and has really been playing well for the Serbian national team, he had a yeah. great year last year. He was probably the second-best rookie last year to Carl Anthony Towns. And you heard uh, nothing about him. And you heard right. nothing about him. He, what did he play? Twenty-one minutes a game or something? But he still he, averaged ten and seven. Yeah, he was he was, was a statistical force, and he averaged two point four assists per game too. Oh, and he can pass. I mean, he he's got uh, some of this. I was watching some clips of him today, and I was like, man, this dude, uh, he's gonna be yeah. really good, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm I'm very excited about Jokic. That was the other person I wanted to ask about and kind of seeing his performance in the Olympics. Does that kind of bring like does it kind of like have the sun rising on Denver as opposed to setting when you have someone like Jokic and that youth movement coming? Well, it's it's funny you say that because everybody at Denver Stiffs where I currently operate is just so over the moon about how he performed against Team USA. Uh, there's been a lot of trade speculation about DeMarcus Cousins uh, potentially ma- having a reuniting moment with Michael Malone because, of course, that makes sense to the outside world. But Nikola Jokic dominated him. He dominated DeAndre Jordan. He dominated Draymond Green. He scored against everybody that he faced. And that was really interesting to see. And break it down over a larger sample size, and it probably doesn't hold up. But for that one game, you could really see why the Denver Nuggets are super high on Nikola Jokic. It's not necessarily an if he's going to be an all-star now. It could be a when. Yeah. It could and, be a when. We, we've talked about you know the, the lineup as it is and everything, and, and the one question I really like asking for, for conversations like this are – realistically, so, you know, your your LeBrons, your Durants, your Steph Currys are out in this situation, but if you could realistically just pick a player off of an NBA roster and put them on the Nuggets to get them over, like, a hump or to kind of get them to that next step, who do you eyeball? Like, when you sit there and go, who we need is this guy? Who is this guy for the Denver Nuggets? Well, we we almost had him in the offseason. Uh there are rumors going around that the Nuggets were trying to acquire Paul Millsap. And uh, Paul Millsap is an interesting piece because he's a veteran. He doesn't fit with the timeline. But 
what he would have done is he would have provided immediate spacing for Emmanuel Moutier and immediate defense as well, in a very high-volume role as well. So trade, it, the trade would have been something akin to Kenneth Farid and a first-round pick or two for Paul Millsap. And upgrading Paul Millsap over Kenneth Farid would have probably sure. pushed oh, them yeah. into a playoff position. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned Paul Millsap because just last night we asked um, Eric Goldman from Canis Hoopus if he could add anybody. He also mentions Paul Millsap. <laughs> so, a commodity Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap <laughs> Never thought that would happen. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a buyer's market for Paul Millsap. No, absolutely. I never thought we would say. <laughs> like, I know what all those <laughs> words mean, but that sentence makes no sense. <laughs> So I mean, we're we're obviously in the off season, so it's it's a pipe dream at this point to kind of prognosticate. But realistically, you know, where do you see the season headed for Denver? Well, we're uh, we're heading into that, and lots of you'll you'll hear a lot of win predictions on Denver stiffs and uh, around everywhere, just because we're trying to project a little bit of improvement based off of just the youth factor. You, young players get better, or or they don't, but most of the time they get better. Sure. And so by just not doing anything basically this year, we're probably looking at at least a three-game improvement simply because Emmanuel Moutier is not going to be as bad as he was last year. And so if, if we're going from 33 wins, then I kind of put them on the low end at 36 wins and on the high end at about 44 wins simply okay. because you've got a lot of young talent, and if just one of those guys breaks out and you get a healthy season from pretty much everybody, yeah. which I know is kind of a little bit skeptical with Gallinari and Chandler. <laughs> but, it's, uh, just, it's, it's the thin air in Denver. It just does them all in. <laughs> the, the, the knees can't breathe that well, and they evaporate. You know, what can you do? <laughs> no, but like if, 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 if all things come together... Uh, or we make a big trade for a big name uh, during the middle of the season, then my guess would be on the high end at about 44 wins. Okay. Uh, my prediction right now is a 41-win season, uh, which is about 500, kind of bordering on a playoff berth, but not like like you're, you're threatening. You're in the ninth seed or the tenth seed, but you're not going to uh, eventually get into the playoff picture. I'm looking for a lot of excitement. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier to really show why he was drafted and is being played as much as he is, and for Nikola Jokic to really be put onto the big stage. Sure. Lots of excitement going on, I think, on that roster, though. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm genuinely pumped for this season for the Nuggets, actually. <laughs> it's going to be uh, awesome. So we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna do the noodle test. We're going to throw against the wall, see what sticks here. Bold prediction for the Denver Nuggets. Just completely batshit mm-hmm. crazy, whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, if you, if you make, make the call right here, corner three, fast break. What's your What's your bold prediction for the Denver Nuggets? My prediction would be that Danilo Gallinari plays seventy five games next year. Damn. Man, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That is yeah. bold. <laughs> that is bold, italicized, <laughs> underlined, twelve point fault, bulleted, and everything. Well, if you think about it, he he kind of has his healthy seasons and his non-healthy seasons, and so when he's when he's on, he's on. And now he's in a contract year. He's he's going to opt out. He's got a player option for for the following season, but 
with with the cap increasing, there's so many opportunities for him to go make money. So he will he will likely opt out, and he's going to again be the first option on this team in all likelihood, and he's going to score. He's going to he's going to be one of those guys that you just you're kind of surprised to see. Oh, that guy's averaging 19, 20 points a game. I I'm shocked, but he will be. <laughs> Let's hope that's so. A, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good prediction. I like yeah. that. It's yeah. super bold. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> 69 days until the NBA season starts. It's, it's going to be great, guys. I am it's pumped. All right. Well, um, I guess that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, once again, we want to thank our special guest, Ryan Blackburn. You can check his writing out at denverstiffs.com. He is a contributor there. And uh, once again, thanks for coming. And uh, we hope to have you back sometime, sometime maybe in the season. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me on. And uh, keep reading Denver Stiffs. They have the best Denver Nuggets content around. So I hope, hopefully I'll talk to you guys again. All Definitely. Right. Love to All have right. you. All right. Take it easy, guys. Take All care, right. man. Uh, thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast. See you. See you. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.